It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And welcome to Caracon Carne, sponsored tonight by our friends at C&H Financial Services, also Siren Records in McHenry. I'm James Van Osdell. And I, I don't know if you missed it last night, but you should catch up. Max the Fox, fantastic Chicago band. Max the Fox was on the show. A super fun interview, super talented band. And if you watch the video version on YouTube or Facebook, they turn on their fog machine in their practice space, which I may have to insist on for every future artist interview in practice spaces uh coming up tomorrow night the 80s influenced band the transcontinental band rain rabbit and on thursday how about this kenny johnson you you see him every week on swat on the tv show swat he's been on sons of anarchy uh he's been on bates motel he appeared on smallville he was in the first blade movie kenny johnson will be on this show and later thursday night we're going to head to the south side to talk about the dixie highway brewery trail with local brewers craft brewers from around that area, Blue Island, and onward. So that's all. Oh, and Justice Hill is with me Friday night. Singer-producer Justice Hill uh, on the eve-ish of his solo album coming out. So much good stuff coming up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This is Carcon Carne. My guest tonight, she is, well, she is nothing short of a force of nature, the, the force of nature behind the band Juna. It is Donna Diane. Hello, Donna. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I, I just want to put who you are in context. Ex Voto was easily one of my favorite albums of the past few years. It's this oh, noisy, angular, post-punk thing with earth-shaking, bowel-rattling guitar. <laughs> and at some point, I want to do, I, I, I'm going to just put you on notice right now. I want to do a proper music interview with you at some point. <laughs> but, that's, but that's not going to happen tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've talked on a throughout the past 12 13 months throughout the pandemic i've tried to i've done the best i could talk about mental health and suicide two issues which certainly seem to exacerbate during this time of uncertainty and crisis the past 13 months have been extraordinarily hard for for so many of us and just this past week i saw a post that you made on the juna instagram account stop me in my tracks can i i, I don't want to necessarily put your words in my mouth, but can I read the first paragraph? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you wrote, I hemmed and hawed about posting this, but I think it's important. So here goes. This past year, I was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder or CPTSD. I thought it was important to share this because one, not many people know what CPTSD is. And two, although I've been dealing with this disorder for 20 years, most of that time I was misdiagnosed. I only recently got the treatment I needed and I'm glad I did because it saved my life. That last sentence was shocking. I mean, things were really bad on your end, and you explained why in the post. In, in short, you explained that CPTSD is a total mind fuck, your words, <laughs> and that it's closely linked to suicide. So let's start there, Diana. What is CPTSD? So complex post-traumatic stress disorder, um, a lot of people have heard of regular PTSD, mm -hmm. which is caused by a single or specific traumatic event 
CPTSD is caused by complex trauma, which is uh, traumatic events that are repeated over time, sustained over time. So it manifests in some of the similar ways as regular PTSD, and then other ways it's different. So um, I just, sometimes I'll see stuff about like PTSD online. I had a lot of misconceptions about it just from, you know, just stuff you read on the internet, you don't really like know what it is. But I haven't really like, seen anything about complex trauma. So I kind of thought that maybe it was important to just start talking about it and just seeing who else is out there that has been dealing with it. And I was actually really shocked at the number of people that reached out to me, both like publicly and privately to tell me they have this exact same thing. And I'm, I was just overwhelmed and really happy to just be able to talk about it with people. It's so interesting because for a lot of us, we hear PTSD and we kind of understand what it is. And in my head, I mean, growing up, it was people who went through war, but yep. it is, I mean, that I guess that's the way we were all taught growing up, but it, it's, I mean, it's things on the home front. It's things in everyday life that can just snowball and become what this is. Yeah. So for complex trauma, um, it can be, sometimes it could be like a domestic violence situation. Most of the time it's some sort of repeated abuse during childhood. So a lot of people, this happens very early in life and it doesn't often manifest until later, usually early adulthood, teenage years, early adulthood is when that was the first time I knew something was up with me but I didn't know what it was. And um, it took many, many years to get to a therapist who could correctly diagnose it. And also for me to accept that that's what it was, you know, just because it's something that like, you know, the, a lot of people will talk about like bipolar, there's a lot more knowledge out there about that and regular PTSD. So I just didn't understand, you know, I had all these misconceptions I was like, is this like a new fad diagnosis that's out there? I mean, it's like, I, I never heard of it before, but really I went through a, this fall and winter, I went through like a two month intensive trauma program. And that's when I really understood just the gamut of different trauma disorders and really how it fit in my own life and explained a lot for me. <laughs> and I do want to talk about the treatment because there are, there's an awful lot of acronyms, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> treating this it, to say nothing of the fact that CPTSD is, is an acronym, um, acronym, right? Yes. Yes. Acronym. Uh, but let's, you know, this past year, musicians were sidelined and it was hard for everybody. It was hard financially. It was hard emotionally. It was hard artistically. Given that you were already in this state, this, this delicate, situation being not being able to be juna not being able to perform i'm sure only sped things along much faster than they should have gone. yeah so the way that it's worked for me and the way i've interacted with other people who have trauma disorders it kind of seems over your lifetime it goes in waves there's sometimes where you're doing pretty okay and then all of a sudden something <laughs> kind of breaks down and then you really have to dig in deep 
and deal with it. And then usually you can get it back up and it just, you just kind of have to like go with it. So there's definitely been different phases in my life and I could kind of feel that something was kind of off. Actually, even before COVID happened, when we did the album release, it was a ton of work. And I think a lot of artists can relate to it who have been doing this for a while. I mean, it's increasingly more and more work that artists have to take on themselves. And it's, I mean, it's, in my opinion, we're at a breaking point. I mean, I don't know anybody that can handle doing all this stuff by themselves. I mean, like all the, I mean, you're not just writing and recording, you're doing all the promotion, all the booking, right. everything. And with with all the social media on top of that, it's just, to me, it's, it's too much. <laughs> well, because in, I experienced this to a much lesser degree with podcasting. You're working both sides of the brain. You've got the creative outlet. Then you have to turn it into a business. You have to monetize it. You have to think about it. You have to think about social media and you have to plan weeks, months ahead and talk to this person. It's the, the two sides of being a performer are always in conflict with one another. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's something that's, it's a lot for anybody in a healthy state and then when you're also dealing with uh mental health issues and not even just mental health issues but any kind of disorder disability physical mental whatever Mm -hmm. i mean it's just it's a ton to manage on top of that and you know some of the stuff like frankly i mean social media has been (laughs) in some sense has been proven to have a negative effect on mental health if you're not using it the right way. So it's like, it's, I think it's so important to start talking about this stuff and really, you know, let people know that they're not alone in feeling like there are days you just don't want to fucking do this, you know? (laughs) Well, you, you commented in response to this post that one of your comments to someone, you said, I've read that up to 70% of musicians struggle with mental health issues and that musicians use live performance as an emotional outlet, which makes perfect sense. But that number seems unbelievably high. Oh yeah. I mean, cause I, when I was doing the post, I was looking up like, is there, what's, what's going on in the industry right now? Is there like a hashtag people are using or something? And I, one of the first things that came up was like a Rolling Stone article from about a year ago that was talking, that said that statistic. And I was like, what? other industry do 70% of people suffer from something and like it's not like a seen as a crisis you know I mean it's just it's seems insane to me that we're not constantly talking about this like if that's true I mean even if the 70% you know even if it's 30%, that's still a ton of people. And it's not just musicians. It is all the people working behind the scenes, the staff and venues, the live sound people. I mean, everybody has to deal with this stuff. And to some extent, I mean, a little it makes me a little angry to some extent because it's like, why do we accept this? Why do we be like, oh yeah, it's a creative industry. Of course, there's gonna be a lot of mental illness because people, people, do art in order to cope with their mental illness. It's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't replace like proper treatment and accommodating this stuff. So absolutely. It's such a weird taboo for society to have, to not want to talk about 
mental health and taking care of people and pointing them in the right direction and preventing yes. suicide. Yes. And to me, is, it oh. <laughs> I mean, I, how is this taboo? Let, let's take right. care of each other. It's, it was funny to me when I did the post, see, because I didn't even realize, I think the extent to the, the extent of the stigma people feel about it. Cause for me, I was always like embarrassed of my disorder. Cause I didn't understand it. I didn't know. What it was. I just thought like, I have some weird form of depression that I, that I guess I can't handle or I don't really know what it is. And once somebody finally said, this is it. And then explained to me, this is how it worked. And I realized like, this is me. It's like, I don't, well, I don't feel any shame about talking about it. Like I want to talk about it with people. And then I realized like, it is good that I'm talking about this because there's a lot of people who just feel like they can't even like express it. It's not, you know, for some people it's not safe to express it. And I totally appreciate that. So for me, I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. So I will, I will talk all day about it. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And like I mentioned before we started recording, there are a lot of musicians who listen to this podcast, who watch this podcast. If we can engender some kind of community and just encourage more conversation, just you've heard the cliche, normalize the conversation about mental health and suicide. Every, every bit, every conversation like this has got to help. I hope. Yes. And I'm, I'm so appreciative that you're doing that. And I think it's not just for people who are struggling with mental illness. I think Everybody else who has friends and family that struggle with this, they want to know how to talk about it yep. with their loved ones. They just don't know how. They just, nobody's saying like, this is how you talk to people, especially with like trauma disorders. I mean, it's like people want to say the right thing, but they don't know what to say. And there's just like, a, I feel like, you know, a lot of especially with trauma disorders, it's been almost politicized with like this whole idea of like triggers and triggering people. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it, it makes me upset just like how COVID has been politicized. It's like, we should not be politicizing these disorders. These are real things that have real terminology and it's important to learn about them. Totally agree. So this past year, you reached a point where you, sought therapy. I mean, how, how bad did it get for you? Um, for me, it was just over the summer. I was realizing I, my last kind of wave of like crisis feelings was probably about like seven or eight years ago. It was right before I started playing music again. And, um, I could recognize like, so in, um, CPTSD, it's primarily an emotional regulation disorder. So, um, whereas like an average person, like somebody, something might happen that'll like upset you or make you sad or make you feel afraid, but the emotion comes and then it just kind of goes away and you just are like, okay, I felt that, but you know, for CPTSD, it's, um, you can have difficulty getting off of emotions and how it's been explained to me is it's kind of like whatever the trauma was in the past, you start re-experiencing those emotions as if they're being caused in the present. That's why I call it a total mind fuck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's the, a lot of the work is separating the two so you can leave 
the stuff that's in the past in the past and see kind of the present for what it is basically. So I was having just like a lot of like really strong emotions where, you know, I would just be like angry all day or just sad all day. And I'm like, I don't even know what's causing it. It's just coming out of nowhere. I mean, it's like COVID. I'm not even going out and interacting with people and this is just happening. And so I um, found a therapist and started working on a weekly basis. And sometimes with trauma disorders, when you start getting back into it in therapy, it can really blow up before it heals. And that's kind of what happened to me. Um, And thank God she recommended this um, intensive program I did for two months. Um, It's through Compass Health Center. I just want to like tell everyone about it because they they don't just do trauma disorders. They do um, depression and anxiety too. They do it in a group setting. And that having that like intensive treatment um, really showed me, um, like, I learned so much from it. I learned so much about trauma, interacting with other people with my same trauma disorders, different trauma disorders. Um, I, I just learned so much and really saw how there's sort of like this layer of the past that's just kind of like a veil that just kind of dampens everything. And these people are such beautiful people. I mean, some of these people, it's like, I'll be friends with these people for life. I mean, it's just like gorgeous, gorgeous people. And um, when I saw it, it's like, no one, no one, this person is so wonderful. They should never, ever lose hope or feel like they want to end it, you know? And then once you see that in someone else, then you see that in yourself too. So like, to me, that was invaluable getting that kind of treatment. Yeah. How nice for you to be able to be with other people and realize, okay, it's not just me floating out here in space struggling. It's, it's there are other people who are dealing with stuff and we can actually help each other. Yes. I mean, I I've been in and out of therapy for like 20 years because like I said, there's like sometimes things are good and then sometimes it just all blows up. And um, I just, I never had the experience of doing a group thing. I was worried it was going to be like a very medicalized hospital setting. And I was very adamant. I did not want that. I was like, I medication had never worked for in the past. I was like, I'm not going on medication. I'm not, <laughs> I, I was very stubborn about a lot of stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I can trust doing like a group situation. And it, it blew me away. It was so, it was not a medical setting at all it was really progressive people who um work with so many different communities and i I really appreciated how they did it so as far as treatment goes i mentioned the acronyms i I see cbt dbt (laughs) act and these are all different facets of the same type of treatment right yeah, so they're all, how I understand it is like they're all kind of originated for, for different types of trauma disorders. Like 
Um, DBT, I think, was developed for specifically for like a borderline personality disorder. And so that one is very focused on um, really grounding you and getting you in your senses. Um, like I said, when you're kind of like in your head and you've got like these your brain is like telling, giving you signals that something is happening that's not happening. It's so important to really get into your senses, your sense of touch, your sense of smell. Um, so it's different exercises to really get you out of that fight or flight mode in your brain and like get you grounded into reality. So that's, I find, I found those techniques like really useful. So at this program that I went to, they basically, throw every form of therapy at you and just like see what sticks to you, which I kind of like that. Cause like not every, I feel like not everything works for everybody. Sure. So that was one of them. Another one, CPT is, Oh my gosh. I don't even know what to say. I think it's like cognitive processing. Cognitive, be cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, that's uh, I, I, I did some quick research, changing behaviors <laughs> associated with negative thought patterns. Yes. Okay. So they did do that too. No, I'm talking about CPT, not oh. CBT. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I know it, it's totally absurd. Cognitive processing. I think it's cognitive processing theory or therapy or something. It's like you, um, when trauma occurs, you can have like different beliefs that form that are not helpful. So, um, they're called stuck points and you kind of like identify them and write out, you know, maybe it's like trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a PG one. <laughs> it might be like, uh, I can't trust anybody. You know, you can't trust anybody. And then it's a whole series of questions to get you to really interrogate that belief that formed because of the trauma. You know, why, why did that belief form, you know, is it really true? How often is it true? Does this belief really help me? And so that kind of like helps you get rid of, you know, some of those things that are really holding you back from moving forward with your life. If that makes sense. <laughs> yes. So I, I have two questions that kind of come at this from different angles. The first question is for someone who knows someone, like you, who's suffering from something like this, from CPTSD, someone who's, who's clearly struggling, what advice can you give us to be more supportive and helpful? Um, I think, so it can be hard when, if somebody doesn't know that they have this disorder, I mean, I think that's kind of common that people feel like there's something wrong with them, but don't really know. It manifests to other people as like, oh, this person, overreacts to things or this person's really sensitive. I used to get that a lot when I was a kid, like, oh, you're a really sensitive kid. I think a lot of artists <laughs> get that. Um, it could seem like, you know, yeah, just, just kind of like an overreactive or this person, you know, is, can be really flighty maybe. Sometimes I felt like that way in my life sometimes um, when I'm feeling more emotionally dysregulated, I kind of just like shut myself off from the world. So I kind of disappear for a bit. So it's important for me, like to have friends that like are understanding about that, you know, just kind of like pick up relationships where we left off, 
um, can be really helpful. Also, it's really helpful just having people who are good listeners. There is just across the board in life, there is a dearth of <laughs> good mm-hmm. listeners out there. And that can be one of the most important things. Like, you know, I had a, I had a friend who like, I started, what was it? I think he like posted something that kind of got me <laughs> having some like um, stuff from the past showing up. And I was kind of like, what the hell did that mean? You know, why did you do this? And it was, he did the most beautiful thing, which he just gave me a phone call and he was like, he was like, Hey, I just want to like, I want you to tell me like what this means to you. Like, I want you to explain it to me. He was that defensive at all. And it was just like, it was one of the most wonderful conversations (laughs) I've ever had. And then it helped me kind of like sort out, okay, maybe I'm like bringing some other stuff to this conversation that I didn't need to. This was before I went through trauma therapy. So I would have known a lot more than, so just even having that a person who just wants to listen and wants to hear what you have to say and does not react. It's like, that's really important in trauma therapy is responding, not reacting to things. And so the, the more that everybody, even people that aren't struggling with this, can just respond in conversations, think, and then speak <laughs> kind of a thing. That's, I mean, it's simple stuff like that. I know people want like some, the magic words to say, but like a lot of times it's just being a good listener and being there to, you know, pick up the phone. And I think think then speak is good life advice for anyone in any situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just even removed from this conversation right now, good sound advice for everyone on planet earth. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the other side of the question, Donna is for a musician who's been in your situation, you all momentum, you got cool record, you, you know, live cool live gigs behind you, but you're having a hard time and you don't know, how to even express it or what to do. What do you do if you're, if you're that artist, what do you recommend for that artist? Um, I would say like it can be hard to trust going into therapy. And I understand that because I've had my share of bad experiences in the past with it. I think people one I mean, because of the healthcare situation in this country, some people just don't even feel that they can afford it, which there are in the post that I did, there are free low cost resources out there and people have done a really good job. Like over the past 20 years, I've seen a big shift in the therapy community and the healthcare community where like they're really taking into account the special types of circumstances communities of color face, queer and trans people face. And so I, there are a lot more options out there because I think that's another fear people have is like, they're not gonna understand my specific situation because different disorders do manifest differently depending on who you are and your identity. So I think my biggest advice is to really, Put yourself out there and 
go try to find therapy, try to find resources that are going to help you and make a commitment to do it. Cause that's another thing is like therapy is hard. You know, it's not easy. People don't just wave a magic wand and you're better. I mean, it's a lifelong process, but if this is something that you've been struggling with for your whole life, you can do it. I'm doing it, you know, and it, there's, this is another myth that I really want to dispel because a lot of artists believe this too, is because there are, is such a connection between music and mental health issues, people sometimes think that's the source of their creativity, their depression, their big emotion. I mean, for me, it's like the big emotions are like a big fuel for songwriting. And I think that there can be a hesitancy to seek out that help because you think, well, if I lose this, that I'm so identified with, it's the reason that I started playing music. What's left? Who am I then? You know, they're going to take everything that's interesting away from me. And it's, it's so not true. Right. That mental illness is only holding you back. Like the thing that makes your art powerful is you and the stuff that you talk about, the trauma, the shit that's happened, that's not the mental illness. That's You can still talk about that in your art as you heal and become more able to speak about it. So I just, I feel really strongly about that too. Like making that clear to musicians, it's like, don't glorify your mental illness or think that that's like, cause I, 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 feel like I have that same tendency too to just be like, oh, well, you know, feeling like extreme like this is just, that's how you are if you're an artist. Well, you know? That's the way it's always been understood. You have to suffer for your art. Yeah, it's such bullshit. I, I wish we would stop saying that. It's such like an old, like, I don't know, like 1960s mentality. Like, let's just, let's just stop. Like, we, we cannot lose any more people to this stuff. I'm just, I don't want to see any more news about people dying i mean it's just it's the like and i can speak from personal experience it's like my writing is so much is my process is so much better now that i've been doing the work and i think my my songwriting is so much better for it and i just i feel like it's opening up parts of myself that I, I wouldn't have access to otherwise. So I can't say strongly enough how important it is to go try a bunch of stuff, like just try every therapy you can get your hands on. And if one doesn't work, move to the next one, but don't give up. Keep trying. Amazing. <laughs> so going back to that initial post, the, the reason why I, I invited you on tonight the initial post, you, you put everything out there about CPTSD. You said, as I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, getting therapy saved your life. How did you feel just before you hit send on that? Oh, my noticed? gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had, So I had, like, written the post probably, like, several weeks prior. And it was just kind of like, like I said, having a good hog about it and being like, I don't know. Do, it was more like this thing was like, am I going to say it right? Am I going to represent this correctly? Like, I, you know, I don't have all the answers about it. I mean, I'm not a trained therapist. Like I'm talking about therapy, but it's from the point of 
somebody who's gone through it, it's like, mm -hmm. I'm probably not saying everything correctly, but ultimately I was just like, I just felt like I needed to do it for myself, if that makes sense. I know it seems like, cause I'm communicating it to other people, it's for other people, but it really, it was for me. I mean, I, it, it makes me feel, it's like kind of like a weight's been lifted off me because it's like, I don't have to hide it or like talk mm -hmm. around it with people. I can just be like, yeah, this is a thing. Okay, moving on. Like it's, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like a, I think some people think like if, oh, if they talk about like mental illness, it's going to be like this like dark night of the soul thing. And you have to like mm -hmm. reveal all to, and it's just that. And it's like, you could, there's ways to talk about it where you're just like, you know, like the program that I did was a trauma program, but you never talked about like in a group setting, you never talked about the details of your trauma. You just call it like my trauma. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think like there's a way we can talk about it publicly. It's like, you don't have to talk about every little detail of what happened to you. You can just talk about like what you're going through right now and what you need, what questions you have. And, you know, I think people are sometimes get afraid of like going into the gory details. It's like, you don't have, to, we don't have to, to talk about this openly. Well, I'm really glad you posted it. I, and I'm glad you're, you got the help you needed. And yeah, I, too. <laughs> for sure. And I, I hope that, you know, others can, can learn from your, your example and be inspired if they need help to, to find it and seek it out and make it happen for themselves. Cause like you said, too many people are dying. Too many people are, are hurting. Help is there. Yes. And I, and I also want to say that I think this is so important and I hope people talk about this too. What are, I, after 20 years of dealing with this, the first time somebody brought this up to me was just last year. They asked me, like, do you have a safety plan? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And you can Google it right now. Safety plan. The first hit that comes up is from, like, the National Suicide Prevention Center. It's just that I have mine right here. It's just like a six-step worksheet that you do. And it's literally just the plan to keep you safe. If you've ever had suicidal thoughts if you know someone who has like i would highly recommend sitting down either with a trained therapist or a loved one and filling out the safety plan it just you there's um different things like basically different coping strategies that you can use if those don't work these are the people to call if those don't work here are the professionals to call and it's just it's something really nice that just can take people step-by-step step through what to do if you're feeling in crisis. And it's, I think it's comforting for people to have, for their loved ones to have. So people know what to do and there's no like, oh my God, how do I respond to this in the moment? Well, I appreciate you talking <laughs> about this stuff and I, I'm glad you're in the spot you're in and totally shifting gears. You mentioned writing and that your writing's in a good spot. I'm assuming we'll get more Juna at some point. Oh, yeah. So we're working. This is actually, this is the album behind me. This is my <laughs> process. Yeah, I, I did not set up my room correctly for COVID because my guitar wall is over here. I've got, like, this is just my messy. This is where I, I'm a big note cards person. I was going to so say, it looks, like, it looks like you're in a classroom. <laughs> I like having, like, organizing all my thoughts, I got like, like 
song titles, notes about the songs. I've been grouped by like theme right now. This is, it's really funny because it's like, this is the first album that I've written as a proper album. Usually I'm so live music focused, just write songs to perform a live. And then when you got, you know, a dozen songs, you go into the studio, record them. This one, it's like, because we haven't been able to like play live, I've like really consciously writing it as an album. So I'm super excited about it. It's, it's, I don't want to give COVID credit for anything, but it's kind of cool that it happened this way. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, hang on the, hang on the line real quick. I, I want to thank you for joining me, Donna, Diane. Thank you for watching. If you've been watching, if you've been watching on YouTube or Facebook, thank you for listening uh, and support Juna DJ U N A H. I feel if you, if you don't have the visual in front of you, sometimes it helps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's Carcon Carne.